trends with a voice. I wish to welcome everyone to this new episode of my podcast, Trends with a Voice. In this episode, I will be joined by Shane Robichaud, a trans man who just moved in Dieppe a couple of months ago to study at the University of Moncton in social work. I've met Shane this summer during some, we had some educational panel. Just last week, we had an interesting discussion and I thought that would be really interesting to deep deeper in that subject. So I'm really happy to have you on my podcast, Shane. Thank you very much for inviting me. So to start, I would like you to present yourself, talk a bit about your life stories, your interests. Well, I'm Shane. I'm a trans man. I'm 22. I'm originally from Kedgwick. I lived in Edmonston a bit for a couple of years, and then I moved here in Moncton this summer to study social work. This is my first year at university. And uh, yeah, I'm basically trying to dig a bit into activism this year. Perfect. So the first subject I want us to talk about is uh, how gender dysphoria can be amplified by our physical trait of our body. Because as we know, gender dysphoria is a feeling of uneasiness about us that can get really deep, that will make us feel really bad, really sad, and can bring suicidal thoughts. Gender dysphoria can be amplified by some physical traits on your body, like in the chest area, the genital area, and also by the perception of the society of you, like, for example, the usage of your preferred name and pronouns. So I would like to know uh, for you which uh, physical traits amplified your gender dysphoria when you came out. For me, the societal aspects of it was most of it. So uh, being called my preferred pronouns, my preferred name, was, uh, and being viewed as a man was what was most important to me. But for the physical traits, I would say my chest is uh, the biggest thing. Like I have a lot of chest dysphoria to a point where I would slouch a lot. And it basically gave me a scoliosis. My shoulders are very like forward. And uh, I'm lucky to have a small chest so I can hide it. And people think I've already had top surgery, but I haven't. Uh, but that's just because um, I slouch a lot. For me, at first, it was the facial air. That was one of the big things. Looking at me and seeing a beer, a mustache, was really fueling that feeling of dissociation with my body. Even if I shave and put some makeup on, after a couple of hours, I could still see my facial air. The other thing was on my body, I did not have any breast. And also I had a lack of a feminine shape, for example, on the hips and the butt area. So I was looking at other 
woman and I really wanted my body to have that curvy shape. And the third thing was being seen as a man by society. So people using he, him to refer to me. And that was really hurtful, even when I was not out, because I never felt happy as a man. And I think when I came out and I started seeing people respecting my pronouns, it really made a huge difference because I felt seen for the first time. I felt for the first time that people were making an effort to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. The voice was a very big thing for me as well. Like I, I felt like my voice was way too high. And when I started testosterone, I was very lucky. Uh, it dropped in nine hours, <laughs> like I, on the same day. I was very wow. lucky with that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was one of the luckiest ones out there. Not everyone is that lucky. I was also lucky in the fact that my period stopped in like the same week. So I never had periods after uh, starting testosterone. It's been three years almost. For in the genital area, I'm not that dysphoric. It's more of an envy. When we talk about gender envy, it's more like a, we also say a penis envy. I'm not very dysphoric. I'm like content with what I have right now, but I wish I had something else, you know. I will add on that because for me, pretty much I have the same feeling than you. Like the genital area for me, it's not dysphoric. I wish I had something else there, but the option of having gender-affirming operation to get a vagina, it's not a feasible option for me since I will need to dilate my vagina. I will need to do a sexual act to it, even if I do it myself. And since I'm asexual, I really don't want to have to do something sexual. So I'm in a situation where I prefer keeping what I have because it's like the least of two evil. That would cause you more discomfort than the other option. Exactly. Also, the genital area, it's private to me, so... It's not something that is shown to the public. It's something I keep for myself. And when I wear clothes, it doesn't show. It doesn't show, like, when I look in the mirror, I don't see it. I see myself. And I also see that doesn't make me any less of a woman having a penis. It's like you said, like, it's not dysphoric for me when I keep it to myself. The problem comes when other people want to interact with it. For example, we'll talk later about dating, but that for me is a problem because I don't want anyone to see it, to even touch it. I'll keep it at that. <laughs> we'll talk about dating later. I would like us to talk about the positive changes we have seen from having hormonal treatment. We both started our treatment three years ago, almost at the same time. It's 
a nice coincidence. Start talk about like what having hormonal treatment really change for you. Yeah, I, I started, like you said, it's going to be three years and two weeks. Well, at the time of recording. I started the day after uh, Joe Biden was elected. So it's a very memorable day. We got rid of Trump. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, like I said previously, the changes were instant almost. Uh, my voice dropped nine hours after my first injection. It was amazing. So euphoric. A couple of months, um, maybe a year after I started having hairs. The first few hairs that I got were not on my chest, not on my face, on my back. Like genetically, like my dad, he's very hairy, like very, very hairy. Like you can't even see his skin. So I think I won on the genetic side. I got very lucky with that. But yeah, I'm very hairy as well. So that's very euphoric for me. And uh, I love my voice right now. It's something I'm very thankful for that testosterone gave me. I also grew like half an inch, interestingly. A lot of changes happened. Yeah, it was a lot of euphoria. The best thing that happened was being able to go outside and be perceived as a man, as myself, and not be misgendered or not be worried about being misgendered. That only happened like a year and a half down the line. Like maybe they thought I was 14, but <laughs> at least I got gendered properly. For me, having the hormonal treatment gave me the opportunities to have boobs. And that was a big thing for me because... I remember the first time I wore my breast form when I was exploring my gender identity. I remember feeling the bounce of the breast form when I was going down the stairs. And I remember feeling so euphoric at that time. I remember feeling like, oh my God, my body should have boobs. It was not like, a question was like, it should have it. I remember after a year of hormones, seeing the boobs having a good size, having like a, a, a B cup, but being big enough to be able to go buy some bras at La Vie en Rose. That was a super euphoric moment. And when I look at my breasts in the mirror, it just feels so good. It feels like what it should be, like from the start. Exactly. It just feels so good. And I have been fortunate of having a good breast growth. I know there's a lot of trans women that feel the need to have breast augmentation. And I understand why, because being able to feel those breasts, to feel that bounce, to be able to touch them, it just feels so good. Just feel like that body is mine. After a couple of months of estrogen, I started seeing my hips appearing and my butt also. Seeing more fat in this region and seeing really having a feminine shape. That was so empowering. I remember one time I went to the store with my mom and I wore a dress and 
my body shape was so pretty. I remember there was, I think, some other women working there. They were like jealous of my body shape. So that, that felt so good. Those changes really helped me. Where I still want to have some work done is facial hair. I did laser hair removal and electrolysis on all my body. So for the rest of my body, for example, my legs and my arm, I still have some air lift, but I have a lot less air. It grows slower and also it's more fine. My skin remained smooth because for me, the smoothness of the skin was one of the big factors. That was fueling my dysphoria. But my facial hair, there's still some left. I think they're 90% gone, maybe. And far down the road. But I still, when I touch my face, I, I still feel that roughness around the jawline and the neck. And that bothers me. It bothers me to a point still that I have trouble looking at myself in the mirror and telling myself that my face is beautiful. I have still trouble with that. And that's why... We need to have access to hormones because that made a huge difference accepting my body. There's still some work to do, but I could never imagine not having the hormonal treatment. I just wanted to like add a little parentheses. People, when they think about like what being trans is, they think about dysphoria. And it's not always about that. It's also about euphoria. Being trans, it's about euphoria. It's about what makes you feel good. Like, what makes me feel good? It's being perceived as a man. Being called he, him. Dressing manly. And that's what makes me feel good. It's not about dysphoria because some trans people don't really feel dysphoria. Like, I don't really have bottom dysphoria, like, relating to my genital area. So... Not everyone has dysphoria with different areas of their body. So we have to take this in account. Like, it's all about euphoria. What makes you feel good? Exactly. And for me, I talked about it in other episodes, but being misgendered really triggers my gender dysphoria. If I get misgendered repeatedly, I'll feel bad. I'll feel sick. And that is not something that I can control. I cannot control how sick I feel when I get misgendered. And it's the same thing about my facial hair. I cannot control how it makes me feel. There's still some air left. Even if it's that 10%, I still have trouble looking at my face in the mirror. I, I would say that I've owned all my body except my face. That's the part I still need to work on. And it's maybe one of the parts that are the artists maybe. I want us now to talk about being jealous and gender envy. And you touch a bit on that subject when you talk earlier. Gender envy is a term used by transgender people to describe an individual they aspire to be like. Like for me as a trans woman, I remember Right before I came out, or when, when I came out also, I look at a lot of YouTube videos, and I was seeing those transgender women that were a lot younger than me, and they had the chance to have, like, hormonal treatment, and even to have, like, 
and gender affirming surgery. And I felt really envious of them, of seeing like I could already have those changes if I came out sooner. And to see also that it will take me years to get there. It really fuels some jealousy in me. So I want to know, Shane, if you really felt at a moment or other that gender envy. Yeah, I definitely felt this. I think any trans person has felt this at some moment. I think especially in my dating life, I have felt this. I've dated different types of people like um, trans men, trans women, cis men, cis women, non-binary people, not to sound like I've went through the town. <laughs> I haven't. The jealousy, it impacts you on a very profound level. You want to be happy for those people who are further than you in their transition, but also you can't deny that the jealousy is there. You have to acknowledge it to be able to move forward. Otherwise, it's just going to eat at you. Exactly. We need to acknowledge that it's okay to be envious or jealous. It's an emotion that's right to feel. I think it's a question of what we do with that emotion. For example, for me, you talked a bit about dating. I'm envious and jealous of people who had the chance to have relationships. Because for me, I never had the chance to even have one single date in all my life. So seeing person I know talking about their relationship or their dating history, it makes me feel jealous. I remember a couple of weeks ago, I had a situation where I was around a group talking about their dating life and relationship, and I really felt like envious, jealous, and I had to remove myself from the group because it really got dark in my head. The best thing to do in that moment is to talk about it, is to really express that you do not have their chance and you feel sad about not being able to live these things. And it's the same thing when we talk about our physical traits. If you see someone that's trans that had, for example, a breast augmentation, it's okay to express your feeling that you would really like to have it and you feel envious. It's totally okay because we were so forced to be in a box at the birth that when we finally start to explore identity and to own our gender identity, we want everything done the soonest as possible. We know gender envy is really something that can make us feel really bad and that affects our dating life. For example, for someone that's trans, dating another trans person can be challenging. And I know you had an experience in that situation. So could you talk a bit about it? Yeah, I've actually had more than one experiences. I've only had one long-term relationship because most of the time when I was dating trans people, uh, my dysphoria and their dysphoria would clash. It would impact the relationship 
And because we had integrity, we were able to be honest with each other and see that it was not going anywhere. So we had to end the relationship. So I've had many relationships where it only lasted a couple of weeks and, you know, things happen. But that's why it's tough for trans people to date out there. I've had one long-term relationship where I dated this trans woman and we had kind of um, jealousy for each other's body. And we had a very hard time dealing with this. It was not like toxic or anything, but it impacted us greatly. And uh, ultimately, we had to end it as well because of it. Even when dating uh, a cis person, like it, it's quite a dilemma because when you're trans, you date another trans person. It's fun because they know what you're going through. They're going through the same thing. But also, they have that dysphoria, and you have dysphoria, and it might play against each other. It's like a double-edged sword. And when you date a cis person, they don't know what you're going through, and it's kind of tough to navigate through that. It's the same with sexuality. I'm bisexual, so if I were to date a straight woman, is she going to be okay with me not having a penis, you know? A lot of trans people I know prefer to date bisexual people because of that. It's uh, very tough on the dating market for trans people. I want to reiterate on some of the things you said. First, there's no online platform that are safe for trans people. I remember being on Tinder for a week and I received a lot of hate and also exchange messages with people that were looking for someone that's trans to fuel a fetish. They wanted like to try out having a sexual relationship with someone that's trans. And for me, I really did not feel okay with that. At that time, I was not identifying as asexual like I am today. So when you add the fact that I'm trans and then that I'm asexual, It becomes hard to date online because I'm not looking to have sex often and I don't want to have any sexual acts involving my genital area because that would be dysphoric for me. It really takes a lot of comprehension from the person I'm dating and also I need someone, because I'm asexual, that having sex not regularly it will be okay. So that's really put me some obstacles to date. And I just want to reiterate an important thing. Being asexual doesn't mean you'll never have sex. Really, for more than half of people that are asexual, they will be okay having sex, but it could be sex in only certain forms, for example. So it's just important for people to remember asexual is not having any sexual attraction to someone else. It is not not having sex. For me, I'm okay doing some sexual acts for the pleasure of the other person, just to make them feel good, but that should not happen often. Yeah. Asexuality is a spectrum as well, just like sexuality. Exactly. So there's a link there. Being asexual 
will bring me some of the challenges also that you will have. But for me, it's different because I don't care of what the other person has as genital. I don't care because I, I'm pan romantic. So for me, it's the personality. That's the thing that will really turn me on. <laughs> Seeing someone that's confident, that is really proud of what they accomplished, that will be the thing that will hook me. And I'm also uh, far enough in my journey and also with my hormonal treatment that today I'm not envying another woman. I'm not envious of their body. Hormonal treatment was really life-saving and really made my life a lot better. I want to touch on like the thing you said about the people fetishizing trans people on dating apps. The chasers, as we call them. There, there's a lot of those. Uh, I've encountered some of them. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, we're not a fetish. We're actual people. We have feelings. And we're not experiments. I mean, if someone wants to indulge that, that's fine. But, like, it needs consent, of course. We're not a fetish. We're not a science experiment. And I'll add, we're not objects either. Last subject I want to talk more about is gender euphoria. A lot of the time, we focus on the dysphoria, but there's the opposite of it. That is, the moments that we feel really empowered, we feel so much joy of being able to be ourselves. I would like to know maybe some of the moments where you felt gender euphoria. I think when I first shaved my head, I bought an electric razor and I shaved my head all the time, like on my own. I don't go to a barber. I had to get a lot of practice for that. And I thank my dad for letting me uh, shave his head when I was a kid <laughs> because uh, I would not have this uh, sleek haircut right now. <laughs> But yeah, that was uh, one of the good moments. There was also when I took my first injection of testosterone and my voice dropped like really fast. Being called sir for the first time, that was really fun. Those little moments of euphoria. It's very empowering and uh, it's all that you need to have a good day. Sometimes you just look at yourself in a mirror and you don't feel like it, you know? You don't, you feel really bad and all you need is someone to call you the right pronoun. When you're just at the grocery store and you just need someone to call you the right pronoun to turn your day around and make you feel okay about yourself. I've talked earlier about some moments of euphoria I live when I got some changes on my body. For example, when I was able to go do my first bra fitting, that was really euphoric. Like the first time I wore my breast form feeling down bounds. And also the first time I was able to go like try on some clothes, buying my first dress, my first skirt, my first heels. First time I wore a wig with like a feminine style. I just felt so good. 
I felt giddy. I, I felt so happy. I think another one was when I went on a photo shoot in May with one of my good trans friends. Fully embracing who I am. It is so euphoric. It is joy at its best. For me, I know I'm very proud of my hairy chest. Not the, the bumpy chest, but the hairy chest. I even have to use like a, a comb for it. Otherwise, the hair tangles. I go to a friend's place to just talk, and I get back home, and they text me, and they're like, there's hair everywhere. What, what did you do? Like, did you bring a dog? You're shedding like a dog. <laughs> It's a bit inconvenient, but I'm very proud of it because, like, it makes me feel manly. So, yeah. Another example I have in my head is, like, I started getting, like, manicures. I remember the first time I got one was, like, I felt feminine. I don't want, like, manicure are for everyone, but I felt I could express my femininity. And, like, gender expression is not the same thing as gender dysphoria. Expression is the way you present yourself, like, with clothing, with, it can be, like, the way you walk, the way you talk with your hands, but it will still bring some gender euphoria. When you live some of these moments, some moments you waited all your life to add, or you could never wish to have. Like, when I had, like, my photo shoot in May, I just remember feeling like I was in America's Next Top Model doing all these poses, and I was like, I was emotional. Yeah, euphoria is all about the little things. It's proper to your own individual feelings. Not every single trans person is going to feel the same way. Not every trans man is going to be happy to have hair on their chest. I have one trans man friend who hates having body hair. He hates it. He shaves everything. He doesn't like it having body hair. That's what brings me euphoric joy about being trans, you know. We've reached uh, the end of the podcast. So last thing I want to ask you is how can people know more about you or contact you? Well, if they want to ask anything more to, to me, I'm happy to answer anything on Facebook or Instagram. They can just Search my name. There is no one else with my name. Shane, S-H-A-Y-N, Robichaud. R-O-B-I-C-H-A-U-D. Love it. So a big thank you for being on my podcast. I think our listeners will greatly enjoy everything you had to say. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me here. Finally, I invite you to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, and to follow Trends with a Voice on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget that a society that is more inclusive to the transgender community is better for everyone. Thanks, and see you next time.